You're listening to an episode of Voices of 100%, where we're speaking with local leaders from across the country to understand their reasons for pursuing a 100% renewable energy goal, how their city plans to achieve that goal, and what these visionaries see as the future of local renewable energy. Over 70 U.S. cities have pledged to reach 100% renewable energy, but few with as steep an uphill climb as Madison, Wisconsin. In August 2018, I spoke with the chair of that city's Sustainable Madison Committee, Raj Shukla, about the challenge. How to get their investor-owned utility to shrink its heavy reliance on coal in favor of renewable energy in order to reduce the highest electric bills in the state. Although the conversation with the utility didn't start smoothly, Raj is optimistic about the chance to work with the utility to reach the city's goals. I'm John Farrell, Director of the Energy Democracy Initiative at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, and this is Local Energy Rules, a podcast sharing powerful stories about local renewable energy. So Raj, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, John. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to start off by just asking, what is it that has made Madison and its residents interested in making this commitment to 100% renewable energy? I think there's a sort of natural inclination towards um, doing whatever we can to do right by our environmental aspirations. And energy issues are no different than a whole range of environmental topics that folks in Madison are really engaged on. The, what started us down this path, though, and we had already had fairly aggressive um, sustainability goals. I think we had an, you know, like 80 percent by 2050 kind of standard um, goal that was in our books already. But what happened here is that Madison Gas and Electric, which is our local the largest utility in the area, um, the one that serves most of Madison, they decided that they were going to try and change their rate structure in 2014. And this was just as I came on as chair of our Sustainable Madison Committee. And the way that they were going to try and change the rate structure is that they were going to increase the fixed portion of their bill and they were going to reduce the variable portion of the bill. So that basically means that your your electricity bill was going to look a lot more like your cable bill. You'd be just be sort of forced to pay a set amount um, and have less control over how much over your bill, basically, and in terms of usage. So usage would have less of an um, impact on your bill. And that also means in a, with a utility that's getting the vast majority of its electricity from coal power plants, it also means you have less control on the, how much pollution you create individually. So folks just lost a sense of personal agency in dealing with climate issues and on renewable energy issues. Um, so people were really upset. And, um, and a couple of things happened. A few things happened. First, folks started showing up to our Sustainable Madison Committee meetings, which are, to give you a sense of this, I think the city has, you know, upwards of 90 committees. Most of them are advisory. The Sustainable Madison Committee is no different. Um, and most of them are fairly sleepy affairs. You know, the folks show up at 4.30 on a Monday. You're saying most of the city's committees are... I mean, not super exciting yeah. for... Well, yeah, I mean, there aren't, they, they're advisory in nature. So it's not as if policy is created in these, in these committees for the most part. Um, but we saw an opportunity to have a real impact on the policymaking process in a, in a significant way because of this kind of precipitating event. The utility um, trying to change its rates in a really, diff, uh, really important way and in a way that was really detrimental to our sustainability goals. 
Um, so we started encouraging a, contra- uh, a conversation within the city. And a few things started happening. People started showing up to our Sustainable Madison Committee hearings, asking us and asking city leaders, elected officials, to take a stronger position and act more aggressively on climate change issues. So that started happening. And then they were communicating a couple of things really clearly, too. They felt, uh, the people of the city who who were showing up at our committee hearings, felt that um, they were being left out of the discussion on a really important public health and environmental question, Um, something with global significance um, that folks really felt like, well, our voices should be a part of how our utility um, approaches energy issues. So they felt left out. And, um, and then secondly, they felt very clearly that we weren't doing enough, that the science around climate change, our understanding of what's coming um, was becoming a lot more clear and a lot more urgent, and that the technology that's available and it was advancing a lot more quickly than it was the last time we were making you know, goals around uh, renewable energy and, and carbon emissions. So they wanted us to act more aggressively. So we heard those folks and we started acting on it. And we did a couple things. First, we established a clear path for the city to follow on next steps around renewable energy, which included a couple of different things. Um, a few policy suggestions like adopting you know, PACE financing, um, which I'm sure you are, your audience is well aware of what that's all about. The the another thing was, well, try and establish a formal partnership with MGE so that we can have a clear dialogue between the citizens and a privately owned um, utility. And we did it. We accomplished that. So we set out a clear path um, that we called it an energy work plan. And we uh, we passed that. We rewrote the legislation and we passed it in the council um, with the support of some um, some far sighted leaders in the on the common council. We then established a formal partnership between the city of Madison and Madison Gas and Electric to start discussing things like, well, how can we work together to electrify our transit system? How can we work with renewable sources? How can we work together to expand solar within the city limits? Um, We started having a genuine discussion with a utility that we had for years, had kind of a contentious relationship with. We decided our approach was going to be, well, we're going to stretch out a hand we're going to extend a hand and ask the utility to join us. And to the utility's credit, they said yes. <laughs> they reached back, and now we are working together to advance common interests. Um, the third thing, or a third thing that was um, within that work plan was we need to reexamine our climate and renewable objectives because we feel like they aren't as aggressive as they need to be given what reality is telling us about the importance of climate change and the impacts that we are staring at. So we did that. We held more public hearings, I think half a dozen over the course of six months, um, and settled on after much community involvement. And let me like, let me just take you to that picture. Okay, again, these are hearings that are held in the afternoon of a workday, mostly, And we we invited anybody and everybody to come and weigh in on what our goal should be. And what we saw were dozens and dozens and dozens of people who weren't showing up to our normal meetings. These are new faces, young faces, old faces, brown faces, white faces, very different than 
the crowd that we were used to seeing in the Sustainable Madison Committee and very different from the crowd that the Common Council was expecting to see or that mg e was expecting to see. People were coming out and demanding that we take a more aggressive stand. So we crafted language. Um, and again, we wrote a resolution, our committee, and with some far-sighted leadership on the council, got it passed. And that legislation said a couple of things. We are going to commit as a community to going 100% renewable net zero carbon. We're going to, that's one. Two, we are going to start with the city of Madison's operations leading the way. So um, what that legislation also did was put some money into um, finding, basically developing a plan of action. How are we going to get to 100% in the city on city operations? And then how, um, how are we going to pay for it? How, you know, like that kind of stuff. And then established regular reporting back to the Common Council on our objectives. You know, how, how are we doing in terms of reaching our objectives? So this added a couple of added resources to actually get what we wanted to, uh, to accomplish to like, you know, become a plan. It added um, a measure of accountability so that you know, legislators who are, you know, folks are on four-year election cycles here in Madison, they need to be accountable <laughs> on a regular basis to mm -hmm. our climate objectives because otherwise it wasn't going to happen. And then the third thing is basically set up, um, you know, that plan that we create, we are creating right now is going to set up a, uh, a way for us to talk about climate at every budget cycle. Every year we are going to be able to come back to the council and say like, well, this isn't our climate plan. Where is it in the budget? How are we allocating resources so that we are meeting the objectives that we have and so that it's integrated into the entire working of the city government? We are really proud of, of that accomplishment, and we are especially proud of the fact that it brought so many people into the conversation. So many people from across the city and from a variety of different backgrounds voiced their concern, and we, in a near unanimity, said, we want to move a lot faster and um, and we demand that the city do it. And to the city's credit, they went along. So it, it sounds like you, know, you explained a lot already of my next question, which was about, it sounded like there was a mix both of kind of some internal motivation, existing climate goals, but then some folks showing up, some outside pressure in terms of folks that were attending the committee. You know, I'd like to move to the next question I had, which was about the utility. So Madison Gas and Electric, it's an investor-owned utility it's very coal heavy, mm -hmm. more than half their electricity comes from coal and less than 15% from renewable energy. You know, you mentioned this partnership. How has the utility come to the table? What kinds of things are they offering? In what ways are they going to be able to work with the city to help meet the city's, you know, the city operation goal, number one, but then uh, number two, getting, getting beyond that to how the whole city will get to net zero? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing, that, I mean, here's the reality of the situation. This is just the reality of the regulatory environment in Wisconsin. The city of Madison is a customer of MGEs. Like we have to operate within that framework. We could have chosen to try and make a push to municipalize the utility. For instance, this is an option. Um, given the regulatory hurdles in Madison, that would have been an incredibly costly endeavor there was absolutely no certainty whatsoever that it would have actually been approved by a Scott Walker's administration and his, his regulatory agency filled mm -hmm. with his people. Um, and so we had to fi figure out a different way. Like, all right, well, then we're going to see what we can, how we can work together. The ways, the biggest ways I think that MGE can help um, to 
a couple of things. One, um, advanced, uh, advanced kind of policies within MG&E, I guess, that are going to help us reach our, our goals. So one example, MG&E started a new kind of tariff, you know, new way of pricing energy that includes, um, and it's called a re- um, renewable energy rider. And this is designed, they can have a, spe- a special sort of pricing scheme to basically have MG&E build out a solar array or something like that. Um, for a commercial customer here in Madison, it gets applied to their bill as in a certain way, and um, and this was like a, a product that did not exist until this renewable energy rider. So they actually are trying to market um, sustainability within you know and, and renewable energy within their portfolio of services. So there's that. MGE can play a major role in helping us electrify our fleet, and this is a really important our fleet meaning buses. It also means, um, you know, the service vehicles that we use in the city of Madison, so within government. This is a really important thing because it accounts for a huge chunk of the city of Madison's carbon emissions. And when, and I'm just talking about the the city operations. When you mm-hmm. look at the city as a whole, the community, the majority of our of our carbon emissions are coming from vehicles. And that's, you know, that's something that's not going to be a surprise to your listeners. But their help is absolutely necessary if we're going to build out the kind of infrastructure that we need in order to charge renewably powered vehicles, um, that kind of thing. The other thing that this partnership has helped us do is demonstrate the community's appetite for this. And why that's important is that um, MGME's customers are what we're talking about. This is a utility that relies almost entirely by the, it relies almost entirely on the city of Madison for its revenue stream. That's like, that is where we are as customers. So if we are a, um, you know, a pipeline of information to the, to the utility that, um, that your customers really want you to go a lot greener, a lot faster, um, our hunch was like, well, that's going to encourage them to act faster. And they have. They um, bought a major wind pr- uh, production facility in Iowa shortly after this partnership began. They are developing new solar assets at utility scale as we speak. Um, and this was spurred on absolutely by the market, but absolutely, you know, by the just general uh, cost structure of solar and wind right now, like costs are going down and it makes more sense dollars and cents wise to the utility to pursue different sources of energy production. And it makes sense from a marketing perspective for them. They, they want, they want to demonstrate that, they're a utility that cares about its customers and they're doing it right now. Now it's like they operate on a, uh, at a pace that I think is different than, <laughs> than I would certainly want them to operate at. They also operate within a regulatory environment that is challenging. And um, I have been heartened by their demonstrated commitment to moving in the direction we need them to go because you're right. They are a coal heavy utility and um you know, and their entire business was kind of structured around that source uh, because the cost looked like that was going to be the way it was going to be most economical. But that's all changing now. And um, we are eager to help encourage their move. And so far, they've demonstrated that they are willing to. You're listening to an interview with Raj Shukla from Madison, Wisconsin, as part of our Voices of 100% series from Local Energy Rules. Stay tuned for the rest of this episode after a short message from our Energy Democracy Initiative Director, John Farrell. 
Hey, thanks for listening to Local Energy Rules. If you've made it this far, you're obviously a fan, and we could use your help for just two minutes. As you've probably noticed, we don't have any corporate sponsors or ads for any of our podcasts. The reason is that our mission at ILSR is to reinvigorate democracy by decentralizing economic power. Instead, we rely on you, our listeners. Your donations not only underwrite this podcast, but also help us produce all of the research and resources that we make available on our website and all of the technical assistance we provide to grassroots organizations. Every year, ILSR's small staff helps hundreds of communities challenge monopoly power directly and rebuild their local economies. So please take a minute and go to ILSR.org and click on the Donate button. And if making a donation isn't something you can do, please consider helping us in other ways. You can help other folks find this podcast by telling them about it or by giving it a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The more ratings from listeners like you, the more folks can find this podcast and ILSR's other podcasts, Community Broadband Bits, and Building Local Power. Thanks again for listening. Now, back to the program. I just have time for a couple more questions, one of which is, you know, I was curious if there have been discussions either on the Sustainable Madison community or in other places in the community about how this transition to renewables and lower carbon energy can, you know, how the benefits of that can be shared broadly. Like, for example, focusing on low income residents, uh, you know, who probably pay fairly high energy bills, but maybe don't have the wherewithal to put a solar array on the roof. And then the second part of that, if you wouldn't mind just pivoting from there, you know, kind of what advice would you offer to other cities who have investor-owned utilities like MG&E about wanting to try to get to a 100% goal if they set one? Right, right, right. The discussions have largely, I mean, I would say that that has not been the focus of of our work to date. Though, um, if you look at the agreement that we signed with MGME, it's among our highest, you know, among the priorities that we want to get at. How do we make sure that um, that folks who are least able to afford air conditioning during a heat wave, let's say, are are still able to benefit from the work that we're trying to do? And that is absolutely a work in progress. Um, on the second question, when you're talking about like what would our advice be to other or you know other cities that are tackling my advice is just me i can't speak for the rest of the committee is to at every opportunity look to build a partnership with that utility <laughs> look to build a partnership with the utility it is very tempting to try and i'm one of the people who felt this way it is very tempting to just say like you know we should just try and take over the utility <laughs> we should just try and municipalize um, we should try and do what Boulder did. And if you look at what's happening in Boulder, you can see the pitfalls of that strategy. You can see how difficult that really is and how, and given the way that the market is changing around solar and around wind, um, to encourage these investor-owned utilities to make a bigger profit margin for their investors and go to a lower cost generating source. <laughs> you know, that's that has been something that um, that has worked for us. But um, my advice would simply be like, think big and extend a hand so that everybody can come along with you. Raj, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I wish I had more time today and I don't, but uh, um, it is great to share the story of what Madison has been doing and uh, and great to hear that you're making progress on your goal. We'll definitely uh, circle back to you to hear more about how uh, that process is going in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't know if it makes sense or you want to talk about it or whatever, but I just announced the run for mayor, too. 
So, like, this is not the end of the story for Madison, absolutely. And should I get elected, we're going to act faster. <laughs> well, that sounds incredible. And uh, best of luck to you in your election campaign. Thank you. I appreciate it. Raj, thanks again for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, John. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Take care. This is John Farrell, director of ILSR's Energy Democracy Initiative. I was speaking with Raj Shukla, chair of the Sustainable Madison Committee in Madison, Wisconsin, about his community's commitment to 100% renewable energy. For more information on which cities have made the 100% pledge, check out ILSR's interactive community power map, which is available at ILSR.org. While you're at our website, you can also find more than 50 past episodes of the Local Energy Rules podcast. Until next time, keep your energy local, and thanks for listening.